we're going to hearken back to my days growing up in a Lutheran church with my buddy over there, Andrea. Um, because in the season of Advent, we join the liturgical calendar. That's something we don't normally do at CMYK. Um, to interact with the divine in a way that tells a story a lot bigger than us. When we join in with that liturgical calendar, we're reading scripture that liturgical churches, not just Lutheran ones, but ones all alike, are reading this weekend in communities all over the world that we're going to join in with that really big story. Um, we look at specific scriptures from that calendar to kind of guide us in our journey of Advent, in our journey of anticipation, in our journey of expectation. So we'll join in with a little history on the text we're going to read too, so that you know where we're coming from. Um, the text we're going to read today is from Jeremiah, deep in the Old Testament, not where I normally open the book to, but here we go. <laughs> Jeremiah um, is a prophet. Prophets speak to a group of people. They um, generally are appointed by God. Sometimes they're self-appointed. Maybe that's a story for a different time of whether or not they should be, but um, they speak to a group of people, giving warnings, um, reminding people of where they've been, reminding um, people of their history. They also speak to vision of where they could go in the future, casting vision for what life could be like. That's, that's Jeremiah's role. He um, is speaking to the people of God, the Jews. They're referred to in this text as Judah and Israel because at one point the Jews split into two groups, Judah and Israel. So when he's talking to them, you know what we're talking about. Um, they're the people of God. We meet them in Jeremiah at a point in their history when they've been destroyed by the Babylonians, who are one of their many great enemies. Um, they've been sent into exile, essentially. So it's taken away from their home. They've been stripped of their temple, their opportunity of worship. They've been um, sent into exile, captivity. They're disease-ridden. They're hungry. They have been stripped of everything that they know is true and good. And they're wandering, hopeless, lost. Their belief system, their way of life has totally been destroyed. Um, this exile is, Jeremiah says, essentially punishment from God because they have not been, um, they've been disobedient. They've been in decades of disobedience, so now here they are in exile. This is about 600 years before Christ. If that, I'm, I like to know what timeline we're on, if that helps you. Um, the Jews are a big promise kind of people, covenant people, right? They have been and still are, if you know any Jews in your current life, people that hold very tightly to covenants God has made with them. He made covenants with Abraham, right? He said, look at the stars, Abraham. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. He made covenants with David. He said, David, what, someone in your family will become the Messiah. He made covenants with Moses. Those covenants were very like, here's the rules, the Ten Commandments, and if you follow them, then I will. They were more of a two-directional kind of covenant than the previous ones. Um, but the Jews hold very tightly to those. And Jeremiah, when we pick up the story, has been reminding Israel that they have not held up their end of the deal. Um, they are experiencing consequences in exile. Um, but in the Advent text today, Jeremiah addresses this hopelessness. He comes into the desperation that they're living in, and he says it doesn't have to be like this. He casts a vision, part of that role as a prophet, for the fact that it can be better. So we'll go to Jeremiah 33. I'll be up here so you can read along. Just a few short verses. 
Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Right? He's reminding them, I made covenants with you, and I will fulfill them. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. That's what I'm talking about. He's talking about Jesus there, someone coming from the line of David. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah, or God's people, will be saved, and Jerusalem, again, God's people, will dwell securely. And this is by the name, this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So, that was kind of a weird thing to read for me. At first, I was like, you want me to talk about what? Um, okay, sounds good. So, as I'm meditating on this, I'm thinking through the season of Advent, the season that we're in of December, the season of expectation. And December is a weird time, right? For some people, it's hubbub. It's like shopping, lists, gifts, trees, decorating, traditions, exhaustion. <laughs> That's what that means to me. For some people, it's a reminder of really painful things, of things lost, of families broken, of financial burden, of addiction, of deaths of loved ones. Sometimes this is a very painful time. Um, but what this church tradition, what Advent, the season of expectation, is calling us to is preparation, expecting an arrival. Specifically, right, Advent points to Christmas. But I think that we can take our head up out of that and realize that it's more than just that. It's expecting God's kingdom to come. It's expecting a hope, as we've talked about so much already this morning. What this text in Jeremiah is reminding us of is that we are in a season when things can be made right. I love that Jake sang that. It's my very favorite Advent song, even though I'm sure the artist did not intend it to be Christmas at all. But the idea that regardless of how dark or disturbed or not right things can be made into hopefulness and made right eventually. That God will come through on his promises and hold up his end of the deal. That his kingdom can come now on earth as it is in heaven, just like we pray every week in the Lord's Prayer. Advent reminds me that heaven is now, that it's all around, that it's here with us, that we can, as the text suggests, dwell securely and be saved. Those are big words for someone who's living in exile, right? Dwell securely, that you would suddenly have a house to live in, that you would feel safe, that you would not be pressed down by people all around you um, who are your enemies. And we're talking like you might die. It's not just um, what we perceive as our first world problems, right? <laughs> um, the text suggests that there are hopeful things to come. So we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that, but I want to leave you some space um, to consider that. So whether it's your note card, whether it's just organizing your thoughts in your head, we're going to leave a little space here for you to meditate through this, to think about what promises have you been made. You probably haven't been made a promise of the righteous branch springing up from your line, but I'm sure there have been things in your heart, and whether you want to call it God that's made them to you, maybe it's you call it fate or the universe or divinity or the spirit or whatever you want to call it, there have been promises made to you, and maybe it's promises you've made to someone else and you're not holding up your end of the deal, but consider them. Consider that there is hopefulness in it, that there is an opportunity and a time coming where it can be made right. And we'll think through that and come back together. Um, but take some time. I like this practice. We don't often take time to meditate in our hour-long gathering. And we probably very rarely do it in our normal life. I know I don't. So 
enjoy the quiet. Maybe it'll make you uncomfortable. Maybe that's okay. <laughs> Makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but we'll come back together here in a minute, okay?
So for me, what I keep coming back to in the midst of this week, that idea of hope, that spirit of anticipation has been difficult for me because um, I'm not wild about this season. Our culture has made December into a weird thing, right? I am a self-proclaimed Scrooge. I don't really like Christmas music. I don't really decorate our house. I um, don't send Christmas cards. I started doing fun things like gingerbread house, but only because we have a kid and I don't want him to be a Scrooge like me. Um, I certainly don't listen to Christmas music before December 1st. So thank you, Jake, for bringing that into my life now. I'm not a great gift giver, much to match chagrin. Um, but I can get on board with hope, right? I can get on board with the idea that things can be made right with the idea of a promise that when I will fulfill, right? That idea that things will get better. I tend to err on the side of cynicism in my life. With cynicism, there's not a lot of room for hope, right? My job, my family, all avenues of my life, I err on that. My faith, like, really, could a virgin birth really happen? Really, did an ark actually float? You know, those types of, I get very cynical. Um, people aren't really going to change. He'll always be that way. But in that cynicism, there's not a lot of room. So this text um, is a reminder to me to come out of my Scrooge-like self and giving me space to launch into the ideas of beauty that are inspired by the life of Christ, whether it's reconciliation in relationships, um, fulfillment of dreams, fulfillment of promises, hope in destruction, peace in despair, joy in suffering. I can absolutely get on board with that this season. So we're going to let Advent speak to that hope, maybe, instead of Advent speak to gift-giving and all the other stuff that it means for people. Um, that season of anticipation brings us to this table. Um, it's an ancient tradition again. It's one that sometimes can taste stale if you let it. So let's maybe meditate on the idea of hope today while we partake and allow it to not feel like that stale bread in your mouth. You'll remember Jesus' charge when he did this for the first time with his friends and followers. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Um, again, another opportunity for us to remember the promises that were given, to remember the covenants that God has made with his people, but also the personal ones that you're considering. Um, today when we gather, we can remember something as simple as the breath in our lungs. That's a promise. That's a covenant. It's not a promise that it's going to keep being there, but it is one that it's here right now. That you can remember him and the hope that we have looking forward into the Christmas season, into the arrival, into the expectation, and mostly the long-term perspective, looking into the idea that his kingdom is here, it's coming, it's now, and that we have hope in that. So all are welcome. Take the bread, dip it in the cup. Enjoy it together and um, take a few moments to remember him in that. All right, everybody, thanks for being here. You'll look forward to the next three, two weeks of Advent. That is not myself speaking, but opportunities for you to have that meditative time also. And then ultimately, we're looking forward to sing along on Christmas Eve, the 24th, at 4.30 at the pub station. It's our whole community. It's the only time all year that you'll see all of CMYK in one room. It's really fun. There's childcare. It is exactly as it says, a sing-along, and there'll be cider. Um, 
it's a chance to sing all of your like childhood favorite Christmas hymns and remember the season that we're in together um, and see each other on Christmas Eve and be together as a community. It's one of my very favorite times, despite my dislike for Christmas music. Anyways, we'll see you then. We'll also see you next week. Seth will be here to share his meditation on Advent and um, hang out together for a while. And then don't forget your kids are downstairs. So goodbye. <laughs>